Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hey there, welcome to the second edition of Dig a Bit for the month of August 2018. We're studying the greatest escape of all, our escape because of the cross and the resurrection, our escape from the everlasting punishment of hell. I'm here again with my daughter-in-law, Rebecca Colley. We are so thankful to get to come to you today. We are in Orange Park, Florida, and we're with brand new Maggie again, and we are welcoming you to the very end of what's been a great study for this year. I hope that you're going to finish up this year and be ready to start again on September 1st, a brand new study. Rebecca, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to get to be a part of Digging Deep, as I know all of you are. So thankful for all the work that Miss Cindy puts into this. And in our last um, dig a bit, we ended kind of by talking about how hell is a taboo topic. You know, people in the world, even people in Christendom, don't want to talk about hell. But Jesus had the opposite view on hell. He talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. And I want to just briefly touch on why that is. Um, that's an interesting concept to think about. Go over to First Peter chapter 1. And let's read First Peter chapter 1. And let's start in verse 14. It says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who is who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So here we kind of have the key as to why hell even exists. And it's because God is holy. And sometimes we want to focus on the love of God to the exclusion of the holiness of God. But the holiness of God is beautiful. And we ought to love the holiness of God just as much as we love of the love of God. And Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 gives us another key into why hell exists. And it says the Lord's eyes are too pure to look upon evil. And so we see that God is holy. And not only is he holy, but he cannot be in the presence of sin. And so there has to be a place in which he punishes sin, a place in which he sends the sinner. And of course, as we're going to talk about at the end of this, we'll wrap up this dig a bit by talking about Jesus is our escape from hell. But there has to be a place in which hell is separate or which sin is separated from the holiness of God. But Jude chapter 1 verse 23 is a very interesting verse. It says that we save some people with fear, pulling them out of the fire. There's some people that we save through the discussion of hell. Some people who are not necessarily persuaded by the love of God right at first, who are not necessarily committed to the love of God at first, and yet they're saved because of the fear of punishment of hell. And I think this is the key as to why Jesus talks about hell as much as he does, because he realizes that as humans, we need that visual. We need to understand the punishment of sin, what it is like to be cast out of the presence of God, what it is like to reject the holiness of God. And so we're going to talk, we talked briefly last time about the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And I want to go back to that because that's one of Jesus' most descriptive um, discussions of Jude 123 of saving people from fear, pulling them out of the fire. So let's go over to Luke chapter 16. And if you want to go ahead and read for us. 
Luke 16, beginning in verse 19, says, Now there was a certain rich man, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen, faring sumptuously every day. And a certain beggar named Lazarus was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Yes, um, even the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass then that the beggar died and that he was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and he was buried and in Hades he lifted up his eyes being in torments and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried and said father Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame but Abraham said son remember that thou in thy lifetime received good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things but now here he is comforted and you are in anguish and besides all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed that they that would pass from hence to you might not be able and that none may cross over from thence to us and he said I pray you therefore father that you would send him to my father's house for I have five brethren that he might testify to them lest they also come into this place of torment but Abraham said they have Moses and the prophets let them hear them and he said no father Abraham but if one go to them from the dead they will repent and he said to him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if one rise from the dead. So let's just pick a couple things out of this, par this uh, parable or story that we want to talk about. Um, what do you see? What jumps out to you that we learn about hell to begin with? Well, I, th I think we would need to go down to the bottom part of the passage that we read. And I guess the first thing that we would really notice is that it was permanent. It was never ending. And it was permanent. When we use the word permanent, we think uh, we, we're still not talking about infinity. If you say, uh, well, you know, somebody got a tattoo and it was permanent. How permanent is that? It's going to go away when their body decays, isn't it? We can talk about all kinds of, uh, you know, she got a permanent wave in her hair. How permanent is that? With this, we're talking about never-ending torment. And we see that uh, in, this, um, in this story because here um, he is in anguish in the flame. And there is a great gulf fixed so that no one can pass from from hev from um, I guess we're talking about Hades here so no one can pass from the place which is called Abraham's bosom to the torment or vice versa it, there is a great gulf fixed and it is a permanent destination okay so what else do we see what about the concept that the rich man does not argue with his final destination now we hear people here all the time say oh a loving god would never punish people i don't deserve to go to hell i'm a good person and we see the rich man asking for relief we see him asking to send people to send an angel to send someone down to earth to save his family we see him 
bargaining, but does he ever, ever, ever bargain to get out of hell? Does he ever say, I don't deserve this? Does he ever say a loving God would never punish me? We don't see him say any of this. And we don't know that that's definitive, that there'll never be a person in hell who wants to hold on to the fact that they don't, or the idea that they don't deserve it. Um, But Philippians chapter 2 says that every knee will bow and every tongue, I think that's verse 11, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we don't see the rich man asking to get out of hell or saying that he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, every knee in hell will have already bowed, at least, and I know that's symbolic, but everybody in hell will understand the authority of God and the fact that they deserve to be there. Now, what else do we see? We talked about, we kind of talked about this in our last dig a bit last time. We talked about that one drop of water would have apparently according to the rich man one drop of water would have given given him some relief becca have you ever been in a situation where one drop of water would have relieved you never ever i think about you know the most miserable we are here on earth um maybe we've been out on a hike i remember when we were i guess i was maybe 14 we took a trip out west and we did this huge hike and it was evening and so we thought well you know no big deal we'll just do this hike well it ended up being longer than we meant for it to and it was hot and we didn't take enough water and by the time we got back to our car we were miserable and I just remember thinking we had had a one bottle of water between the four of us and my family and we passed that thing around and it was nowhere near enough and we got back to the car and all we wanted was an extreme amount of water you know one drop did nothing that one bottle did nothing for us um sometimes here in florida i just go grocery shopping and by the time i get home i'm absolutely parched one drop of water would do nothing and yet hell is so excru- i mean excruciating it's so painful that even something as small as one drop would provide comfort something that i just thought of as i'm looking over this text while you're talking is that um this rich man had memory in hell he remembered that he had brothers that were on the earth i think that don't you think that the memory i'm not sure about heaven and memory because god's gonna wipe away all tears and i don't know how he would exactly do that if we had the negative memories of our lives here on the earth however in hell memory i believe would be a pretty big part of the torment now not the physical torment that is is gonna i guess we're all spiritual so i don't even know if i want to use the word physical (laughs) torment but when we talk about a fire god is making us think of something physical and he's comparing hell to something physical but i think memory of chances that you had to repent and didn't of people that you loved your children that you could have influenced to be in heaven and you didn't when you look back and think about bad choices that you made that are now everlastingly affecting people in an extremely negative way i think that that would be part of the torment of hell what do you think about that i think that's so right i think there's a lot of um things that we could talk about what hell involves but what we see here is that it definitely involves memory it involves being able to think back and here um, we don't even see him mourning his own soul i'm sure he did he certainly did we see him mourning the souls of his brothers and as 
Christians, that's something we ought to take very seriously is our evangelism. You know, thinking about if we miss the boat, (laughs) if we miss heaven because we didn't evangelize, what are we going to be thinking about in hell? Well, our soul, but the souls of everyone that we didn't lead to heaven. It's real interesting, too, that he knew at this point and you know we talked about how that he knew he deserved hell he knew at this point what it took to avoid it didn't he he said if somebody rises from the dead they will repent he understood now at this point that repentance was necessary you know uh, we live in a world too where of, of religious chaos where a lot of people uh, believe in a a predestination that means God has chosen before the beginning of time which people will be saved and which people will not this rich man wasn't on that page was he he understood that there could be a chance that his brothers could avoid hell but it involved a choice that they could make if somebody rose from the dead maybe they would repent I think that's interesting So what else did he not argue? He also did not argue that he wanted his brothers to, as Miss Cindy said, to be um, God to choose them, to choose their souls. But he also didn't say, send someone back so that my brothers can accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that they can welcome Jesus Christ into their hearts. Because who did he understand was Lord and Savior? Well, he understood that it was Jesus. Who do the demons understand is the Lord and the Savior? Well, it's Jesus. But what have they not done? They haven't repented. And so he calls for repentance. He begs that someone can try to persuade his brothers to repent. So what's our last thing we kind of want to touch on? Is is that the blood of Christ is what we are totally dependent on for our greatest escape we're talking about we're talking about great escapes and this month we're talking about the greatest one for human beings and that is because of calvary oh i love it maggie's participating because of calvary because of the empty tomb that we talked about last month we can escape and but that escape is dependent on the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9, without the blood, there remains, there is no escape. I'm so sorry. I tell you what, when Maggie starts talking, Mammy starts listening. She's a little bit of a distraction, but a good one. And let's end by, let's going over to Hebrews 10, because I can't help but think that everyone listening to this, um, dig a bit is probably accepted the blood of Christ has probably accepted that escape um, contacted the blood of Jesus accepted him in a sense as their personal Lord and Savior repented repented of their sins but there's something else that we have to remember and let's go to Hebrews 10 verse 26 it says for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation of judgment and here Here we are about the fire, the fury of a fire, which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. 
It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You see, it's impossible for Miss Cindy and I to stand before the judgment seat ignorant of Jesus Christ. It's impossible for us to stand before the judgment seat without contacting the blood of Jesus Christ. But it is possible for us to stand before the judgment seat having scorned the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And how much severer of a punishment will we deserve? If we stand before the judgment seat, having scorned Jesus's blood, having scorned that escape after having contacted it. And we'll close with the end of the chapter from which she was reading, which is uh, very pertinent to our study for yet a very little while. Verse 37, and he that cometh shall come and shall not tarry, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that shrink back unto perdition, that's hell, but of them that have faith unto the saving of the soul. That's the great escape. Thank you for listening. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.